Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. Guys, here we are again on another Man Up podcast. Uh, we're really excited this week. Got a get great guest here tonight, and I'm uh, looking forward to introducing you to him. But uh, if you get an opportunity while you're watching this at the Man Up God's Way podcast, if you would just share your uh, share it with your friends, share it on all your social media, help us reach more and more people for the sake of the gospel. Uh, we're just looking to to get you involved uh, with uh, the great content that we've got going on at Man of God's Way Men's Ministry. And uh, we're looking forward to 2024. We've got some great things coming out, a massive uh, Bible study program going to be coming out, video uh, Bible study program, along with a lot more content, conferences, and all kinds of good stuff. We've got a our merch store is uh, as well. You can go to our website at manofgodsway.org and you can find all of our merch like this cool shirt that uh, is uh, is uh, the Man Up Shut Up shirt. Um, we really like it. So we're hoping that you will grab a hold of that as well. And uh, just so you guys know, again, we got a, a great guest today. I'm looking forward to this, uh, Mr. Brent Paul Pullman. Uh, how are you doing, brother? Uh, great, Jody. Glad, glad to be here. What an exciting uh, time of year and um, looking forward to the new year, too, as well. Well, we're glad to have you here, man. Uh, excited to, about having you here on, on the podcast and looking forward to hearing your story. And uh, um, so why don't we go ahead and get started here? Let's go ahead and uh, just kind of dive in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? You can go back as far as you want to. And, um, you know, as far as when, when you feel the story started and kind of tell us how you got to where you are today, um, where your faith walk has taken you and, uh, and just let the audience, uh, kind of hear your story and get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. You know, um, I, I was very, I was very fortunate. Uh, I had two parents who, um, when I was born, I was, I was baptized. I grew up in the faith. And, um, my whole life I was in, uh, I grew up, uh, with a strong Christian background, went to church, Sunday school, youth group, uh, didn't go to private school till I was in college. And, um, from there, I just kind of felt a whole sense of community there and I really wanted to serve. So, um, after I graduated from college, uh, I went and I, uh, I was a high school teacher in a private school system, two years up in Detroit, two years back in Omaha. And I knew I was going to teach for a while. And then I knew I was going to get into business. And through it all, I was just led on this journey. I, I didn't know quite where it was going to end up. But again, um, while I was teaching, I met my uh, future wife. She was a uh, long-term sub. And just like in high school, I think I was reliving my high school days. It was the last day of school. And I finally asked her out on a date. And uh, she said, yes, thankfully. I think she was waiting for me to, um, we'd seen each other cross paths in the, in the hallway. And from there, it led to five children. I've got two two boys and three girls. Um, and I, I just really wanted that whole faith experience for my kids. And they went through private school, uh, 
kindergarten or preschool through uh, high school, continued that on through college, all of them went to private schools. And uh, faith has just been an integral part of uh, who I am. Um, in the professional world, then, um, I really wanted to make it big. And um, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up with the mentality, you had to work harder and longer than anybody else. Right. And that was the only way you were going to move up in the, the world. Right. And that probably was my start of like um, things that probably didn't weren't showing up good, I, I would say. Um, I came home, I was super reactive, and I didn't know why. And then um, my my dad, he started a company in 1975 called Midwest Laboratories that analyzes uh, food, water, plants, soil. And uh, I worked there in high school. And in 2005, he had asked me to come back and join the business. So I joined the business and man, I don't know what about you, but uh, I wanted to make as many changes as I could from my high school, from <laughs> high school in the professional career. So day one, I, I just saw all this opportunity. And um, again, I probably didn't make a lot of friends the first few years there because I wanted all this change right away. And my dad said like, hold tight, you know, just, just, just calm yourself a little bit. And through that, I got again, super reactive and I just, it just wasn't sitting well. And I couldn't figure out what that was. And then um, in 2016, my dad and his two partners, his, every, uh, his two partners retired. And it was my dad and I, and we, and my dad was like a little kid. And all of a sudden he wanted to make as many changes as he could, because he spent a lifetime of not being able to make changes. And wow. we were, from 2016 to the present, uh, to, 2020, I was trying to figure out who I was. I was trying to figure out who my dad was. I was doing a lot of soul searching. And I think um, also during that time, my mom got cancer. And I think this was the biggest turning point for me was um, while she was had cancer, uh, it quickly spread. This was about the fourth time she had had it. And she ultimately passed away in 2018. And I'll never forget that day she died. I just said... I, I remember praying and just taking a walk and said, I need to be more intentional about my faith. I had no idea what I was saying there, but that was my prayer to God is like, I need to be more intentional about faith. And again, that led me to a whole re-examination of who I was. Because at that time, I realized I'd had almost a heart attack. I was pretty close. I had a stint put in. I didn't, um, I was doing things that again, were not, conducive to good behavior. Right. And I really did. It just set me on that path. And I'll never forget a year after my mom died on her birthday, I didn't want my dad to be alone. And we walked into this coffee shop and there on this chalkboard, it said, um, how can we pray for you? And anybody was, could write anything on that chalkboard. And I looked at my dad and I said, I think mom is trying to tell us something. So if you go into our, uh, the doors of our main office, there we have, a prayer wall on the, um, as you walk into the main office and anyone, employees, guests, visitors, um, can put any type of petition up there on that wall. And that was really the start for me was my, my mom was such a lady of prayer that I wanted to emulate that. Right. From there, I thought I need to get this message out. I need to work on myself. And that's where I started to discover who I was, what my true why was. And that's when my faith um, and my 
pretty much my transformation really took hold. Mm. And I'll kind of stop there, but that's that's kind of the the quick picture of who I am and where where I am today. And I'm still going through the transformation. I still believe that. Right. All right. Well, we all will till we die. You know, <laughs> if you're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, that's for sure. So when you figured out, like you're, you're, you're asking these questions and, um, you figured out the why, um, what, what was that trend? What was that process? What was that transformation? Yeah. You what, know, that what, was, what are the things that, that you put in place to be able to do that? Absolutely. I thought I had a why I think many of us think we have a why. And then you ask someone asks you a few more questions and then you give a different answer each time. Right. And I'll never forget. I went to a conference and uh, my coworker Dana was with me, and she she pretty much said that you need a you need a why. What is your why? And um, it's a funny story, but we were in Austin, Texas, and our flight got delayed, and actually got canceled. And then it was going to be three days before we could get a flight out of Austin, so we decided to take an Uber from Austin to Dallas. <laughs> so for three hours, she kept asking me that question, and in three hours, I could not give her an answer. I could not answer what my why was. Hmm. Um, today, I will tell you my why and my how is I'm a person of faith who coaches people up and leads from the heart. And I say that every single day because you're right. To your point, if you don't have a, a strong, true why, you really don't have it really, I, in my mind, really, it hasn't hit to your heart. That your right. whole thing hasn't gotten to your heart. And that's what it really took was that conversation and working at it. I had to really work at it to find that in deep inside of me. Mm, that's good. That's really good. So in that, in that transformation, what were some spiritual disciplines that you added to help you grow? Um, yeah. Like oh, where, yeah. where were you and like, where are you now? Well, I discovered a lot of things and uh, first I had to take care of myself. I thought self-care was selfish. I actually thought that was, that was only for certain people, but I quickly realized if you don't take care of yourself, how can you take care of others? Right. So I decided at that time, what was it going to be to be an effective leader taking over a company? Um, I needed to really, again, get right with myself. I needed to sleep right. I needed to eat better. I needed to get physical activity. I got, um, I worked with a trainer. I had to do those things again to, in order to um, just get refreshed, renewed. And then every morning out of that developed a daily routine. And I've continued that probably for the last six years. And I get out and I don't know if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see I post videos every almost every single day. I pick a verse, I'm, I pray, I meditate on it. And then I, um, I just say a few words out about it. And um, it's my way, again, of just being close to God and then getting a message of positivity, of love, of grace out there. And I've done that now probably for the last seven years. I drive my wife crazy because every morning I just get up and I, but she knows. She knows if I don't do that, I'm not going to be that really strong, true person that she knows I can be when I do those things. Right. Now, are you implementing a lot of this at work as well? Um, you know, it's not always easy in the corporate world to be able to implement this kind of stuff. Yeah. No, How I think that going along. Yeah. What, what I found, um, at work, I don't force my faith on anybody, but what I've grown is awareness. I can tell I can, t I don't know. You, you've probably heard of those people who can feel the energy in the room. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I thought that was a lot of phony baloney at first. 
Right. But you really true can. And when you're in prayer and when you're in awareness and wanting to look at the needs of others, um, you can feel that. And I think one of the things that really taught me, and I'm not sure where I picked this up, but if you call people by their name, it personalizes things and they stop in their tracks. Everybody wants to hear their name called. I mean, God calls us every day. But if we don't think of it, I mean, you, I probably went to work for years and never heard my name. Hey, you, let's go over here. But when you stop and say somebody's name, people stop and, and it shows that you really care and that you're taking time for them. So that was really one huge lesson for me was just calling people by their name. Mm, that's good. Now, I'd like to do that. I have 300 employees. I do not know. I will tell you, I don't know everybody's name. But I'm learning every once a year, I meet with every single department, every single person, and we get into a room and I make sure that I said, I just want to know a little bit about you. And the question I always ask is, I want you to tell something about yourself that no one in this room knows about you. Mm. Man, you asked that question. I learned so much. I learned yeah. that our 300 employees, we could probably have a zoo with all the animals <laughs> that the employees have. But I had people literally confess their sins, like mm. big stuff that people didn't know about them because they realized it's a safe place. And right. I thought that was pretty cool. And I'd never seen that before. So mm. it's, it's powerful. You can do just the little things uh, that really matter, even in a workplace. So what, what would you accredit to the change? I mean, other than just, you know, the Holy spirit probably prompting you to do some things, but what were the, you said you got a physical trainer. Like, what were the what were some of the things that you changed spiritually? You know, like I know I know for me, I teach very very heavily: read your Bible, pray, and repent. You know, if you do those three things on a daily basis, uh, consistently, you will you will grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus for for sure. When um, that has to become a spiritual discipline that we add into our lives, like what are the things that you did to to help you do that? I think some of the things um, that I've do, I mean, I, I do look at, you have to look at scripture daily. I didn't mm -hmm. realize that. Um, prayer, I pray throughout the day. Um, my uh, director of operations, we text each other at the beginning of the day at prayer to each other. I said, hey, I'm praying for you today, for your family, for our employees, mm -hmm. that big meeting you have. And she, she reciprocates on the same side, or same time. And we do that every morning. That's just uh, something we just start the day. And it's been amazing to watch that. Um, I think you have to surround yourself with great people. Uh, wow. My wife and I belong to a organization that's made up of business owners, CEOs, and their wives. And we meet once a month. And it's just that connection with others that are running businesses that are also uh, faith-driven. I think that's critical. Um, I really look at values. We mm. even do that in our employees, you have to, it's, it's so key right now. Trust is the number one thing. If you can't trust your employees, you can't trust, if they can't trust me, I mean, that you're going to have a breakdown right away. Uh, right. So trust is huge. And the culture, I will tell you, in the last three or four years is amazing, the changes we've seen through this. And again, I would just say it's really exercising the faith every day, being intentional as i said earlier i didn't know what being intentional about my faith meant but it really is when i write down my intentions for the day what am i really looking at i usually pick one of the fruits of the spirit i'm going to work on patience today i'm going to work on uh joy today 
hope. Um, and then the other thing I do with that, that someone taught me, um, I write what I'm uncomfortable with the previous day. Mm, and it really slows me down. And then when I write it down, I have to think about, do I want to spend time on that? Is that really important? Do I just need to pray about it and let it go? Or is it something that really needs more time? Mm, and that's really helped good. me as well. That's really good. Yeah. I teach, you know, with, with not only the church that I pastor, but, you know, with the, the men's ministry that we have here at Man Up God's Way is that the spiritual disciplines are going to help you become more spiritually in tune. You know, I think a lot of times it's like exercise, you know, um, exercise sucks until you start seeing the the benefits of it. You know, it takes, and it takes a while, you know, you start, you start doing uh, curls and you start doing bench press and you start doing squats and you, you just start doing all these things. And for the first four or five, six weeks, man, it's miserable. You're sore, everything hurts. And then, all of a sudden one day you look in the mirror and it's like, Oh, okay. That's, a, that's what I was looking for. If you're consistent with it. And it's the same thing with your spiritual walk. If you're spiritually consistent in, in these things, <clears throat> even in your attitude, um, I love what you're saying that you write down, you know, just the things that you're going to focus on. And most of those involve the fruit of the spirit. And I think that's where uh, people forget that, you know, the fruit of the spirit is what should be coming out of us as we uh, go throughout our day. And, you know, for a guy who's running a company with 300 employees, you know, one bad day could really set people off, you know, uh, could really push them away from you as the, as the leader of, uh, of the, the business. And that's, that's a scary thing. Um, if you're not in tune and, uh, I, I think that's cool that you're, you're really focusing on that. And it's not just, you're not separating it from work. It's just a part of who you are. Uh, and I, I, I see too many people way too often, you know, raising holy hands on Sunday and then going and raising holy hell on Monday. And, um, it just doesn't work that way. No, no. I think, I think you said it best that consistency and it does take a while. I mean, like you said, the even physical activity, you could work so hard. I worked so hard for two or three years. Couldn't figure out I'd run my left leg numb as a bum i couldn't figure it out wouldn't do anything but i didn't realize i needed to ask for help like why why is this happening and now i do dry needling once a mm -hmm. month and i got my left leg back it actually is engaged again all the muscles all the joints all the tendons and i don't think a lot i, I didn't know to even ask that question but by asking for help how do i get this working again um it's amazing the results of that and again, that took over a year so of consistent doing things like that. So it doesn't right. happen overnight sometimes, to your point. Right, exactly. So we'll come back to your business. What? Um, how did this affect your marriage? Oh, you know, I think I have the most patient wife, I just believe. Um, she just really, I, I even asked her, I said, even coming home, she could tell that I was just not, it wasn't fun for a long time. I was just working so hard and I'd be super reactive and even the smallest thing I just set me off and there's, there's peace and there's calmness and there's, there's a better relationship when you can control that reactivity. I'll tell you, it's a funny story at people at work, they laugh at me, but I'll come into a meeting. And if let's say the first question is I, someone will ask, Hey, I think everybody in this room should get a 20% raise. You might see me take a huge deep breath and go, oh, you know, and they could tell and they go, what's going on? And I said, I, I said, that's, 
that's me controlling my uncomfortability. I've learned that I have to take a deep breath. Mm. My first thoughts are not very good. And if I just take the moment to stop and, and get it under control, I can ask the right questions and it doesn't make me so reactive, but I used to be super reactive, super reactive to things like Uh, that. Like verbally reactive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing what, um, you know, getting that peace, um, which is the fruit of the spirit. When you start welling that up in you, how, um, that the peace and the patience all kind of work together and, in moments of stress. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool that you see, you actually see that, you know, going on in your life like that. That's awesome. So your, your wife, I mean, you, you've, you've grown uh, with her, you know, uh, I, I think, I think uh, most, most Christian men don't understand, you know, how huge the relationship is with their spouse um, I think they tend to bypass the marriage and usually become decent fathers or, um, you know, definitely better CEOs than they were, you know, than they are a husband. And, and for me as a pastor, I always, I always have to re- realize that my first ministry is the ministry to my family, you know, and it starts with my wife. And then that goes into our kids because, you know, we're one flesh. We're 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 created to be one flesh, both spiritually, mentally, and physically, uh, as a couple, and we're to be together till death do us part. And our children are were to raise and to to send out. You know, hopefully at eighteen years old, if you did it right, and if you didn't do it right, maybe they'll be there to 25, 30 years old. But um, you know, that relationship with your spouse is is key to a lot of, um, I guess the best word to use is peace a lot of peace, both at work and at home and with the kids. And so, um, so all of that for you was, was the marriage, was the marriage okay before all of this kind of transformation started? Yeah. Or I think, or- I mean, I think it was always a work, in, I mean, working process. Um, but yes, at the forefront, it was always, we always had a focus on our, on our faith. We always had a focus on our kids uh, I think to now, since we're empty nesters, um, now it, it's a whole rediscovery. Right. I, I kind of whole different challenge. We had uh, two daughters get married this summer. So um, this year has been just a huge year for our family. Um, but when you have two I daughters- get, broke the bank. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, and then- um, then we have a son who's in the seminary studying to be a priest and we're all over in Rome. He's studying over in Rome and wow. our whole family went there for 10 days and just the, I'll never have that experience again like that. But to your point, you have to be, you have to be strong enough and, and be in your faith that you can enjoy these moments. I think for a long time, I would even, I couldn't even be in the moment, which was sad. So this year I really not only trained you know, physically, but mentally and spiritually that I prayed to God that I would be in the moment of both of my daughter's weddings. I wanted to experience what that is like. And it was so incredible. And I think that was the part that for me with family is when you have are with your family, put the phone away, put the TV away, put, put all that stuff. They need you. They want you, your attention, full attention, hundred percent. And I know I did not give that for many years. So I, I feel like I'm catching up I feel like I'm always working towards that. Obviously, there's the grace of God that helps us, but it is a 
it's it's always something it's a goal of mine that when I'm with family with my grandkids I want to be present in the moment all the time and I have to some people don't have to work at it unfortunately I probably have to work at it a little harder because it right. just I just really want to be in that moment with those kids because it's so it's so gratifying when you live when you have a heart of gratitude you want that definitely I owned a company for 15 years until I went into full-time ministry and it was a pretty successful uh, industrial company. We did industrial paint booths and air compressors and, uh, you know, traveled all over the world installing them. I got, you know, I had a, a military contract, um, a GSA contract, was able to do a ton of stuff over in Okinawa and just all over the place. I went to Newfoundland and, you know, for years, um, I just, I just didn't have you know, I, I remember times literally sitting at some of my, I have uh, four kids and we call them the bigs and the littles because they're 22 and 21 and then uh, twin 12 year olds. Um, and I remember, you know, with the bigs, I, I would literally be at one of their soccer games or baseball, football, whatever it was. And I can still remember this day trying to figure out how to, you know, get a sale or where I'm going to get the money to pay this invoice. And, you know, I'm on my phone and I'm calculating and I'm doing, you know, this is like a Saturday afternoon or, you know, a Sunday afternoon. I'm still doing all of this stuff in my head. And I spent many, many years, you know, uh, I, I didn't know how to manage, you know, I knew how to make money. I just didn't know how to manage it. I didn't know how to manage the business. And, uh, it just kept me up at night and, uh, it kept me unfocused with, with the kids. 2018, um, there was a certain point where I didn't owe anybody any money. Nobody owed me any money. And I literally just turned out the lights and went to full-time ministry. And I was like, I'm done. And I kid you not, I don't have the money like I used to not even close. Um, but I sleep at night. You know, I don't, I don't stress. I'm now focused when my kids are around, I'm focused on their conversations. I'm focused at their games. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, so stressed out. And that was one of my biggest problems that I had, you know, uh, owning a business was, was how do I, how do I balance, you know, because in my mind, I'm thinking if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. And if I, you know, I, I always heard somebody say, if you can't get it done by five o'clock, you can't get it done, you know, and, but yet I would work till, you know, midnight, you know, cause I take my laptop and, you know, sit in the living room with my family and I'm working on my laptop or whatever. So how, how did you, I mean, in your company, I only had 25 employees. I couldn't imagine having 300 employees. How are you now that you know what you need to be doing? How are you making that happen as a businessman and as a husband to where you balance that out? Yeah, no, I, so, uh, Go back to 2000 with COVID, we had 140 employees mm-hmm. and we never shut down. And um, because we were an essential uh, business with the laboratory testing food, water, soil right. plant. But um, yeah, we grew through that. Um, and I I had the, this big conversation with our leadership team. And they basically came to me and said, you know what? We need you out of the day to day. Um, we need some bigger needs, bigger goals. We need a new campus. Our buildings are 50 years old. We have uh, 13 buildings on three blocks. And during the middle of COVID, um, here I am going out to find property to move. Uh, I was either really nuts or I was like on a mission to do something that was probably unheard of. But I found a building 
It happens to be the largest single story um, building in Nebraska. It's 176,000 square feet on 27 wow. acres. And for $8 million, we bought a building to move to. Um, now we haven't moved there yet. We're in the, we're in the design. We're still working through that, but you have to, you have to take a leap of faith and you've right. got to trust your leadership and you, and for an owner or CEO, get a leadership team that you can trust because mm. they need you to be the, to be the heart and soul and the vision for where the company needs to go. And you mm. need to be a strong leader. And that's, that was really the message I got. Uh, about three years ago. And I go, I sleep at night. Like you said, I didn't used to, because I was in the day to day. My right. dad was in the day to day till COVID came at the age of 80. He didn't know how to leave. He finally retired at the age of 80. Wow. Um, now he's really happy, but he didn't know how to, he really, he just didn't know how to leave. It was his baby. I mean, he right. started this thing and he grew it and he still thinks I'm going to screw it up somehow. But, but, <laughs> um, and we have many good talks and I appreciate everything he's done. Uh, but I, I look back and I think how he just didn't know how to leave. And right. just how to leave the business. And for myself, I look at that. I'm working on I'm working on succession plans. That used to be like, oh, who wants to do that? I'm right. actually forward to that because I can set again a direction, a vision, and I know I have the team behind me to support that. Mm. When you when you have someone that says they have your back a thousand percent. There's nothing more, more, I I can't imagine another workplace. I don't ever want to go to another workplace again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of way, the way I was, I couldn't, you know, one, I, I don't work, you know, I, I've always been the boss. So it was kind of hard for me to go work for somebody else. And I had had a calling since I, 2000, I gave my life to the Lord in 2003 and um, my calling came about 2005 and I just couldn't figure out how that, you know, would work with me being, you know, I had been in business my whole life. I didn't know anything else. And so, um, I just recently finished my bachelor's degree in, um, in ministry leadership. And then I'm working on my master's in theology right now. So like, and that's at 55 years old. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about the, you know, the future, uh, in ministry, but I never could, you know, I, even, even to this day, I, I just, I look back on the business that I had. It was so successful. I mean, I, I literally started with $1,500 and a laptop computer in 2005. And by 2008 was $3.5 million company, like within just three years. And it was exponentially growing. Uh, and then the crash happened in 2009. And then, you know, something happened in 2013. Then my wife got cancer in 2015. And, you know, it was just one thing after another. They just kept saying, it was almost like God going, all right, I want you to stop. Okay. Well, you didn't stop here. I'm going to stop you here. And it just kept, kept going and going. So I've always, I've always could not figure out that balance. And, um, I love it when I talk to people who have figured it out. Uh, I've got a buddy of mine who's, I mean, I don't I know he's, he's really well off and he's probably got 10 companies, 15 companies. And he just, I mean, doesn't stress, doesn't worry, you know, works eight hours a day, you know, takes a phone call from each guy at the, each company and just, just, you know, casually talks to them and, you know, doesn't freak out about anything. I, that, that I would be on the walls, you know, climbing the walls and you wouldn't be able to figure out, I'd be at everybody's place all week long. And so, uh, I envy guys like that. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
I thought of something. I want to go back to what you said about your wife, about my wife and stuff. A key turning point for us too that I think back was 2019. Um, it was our 25th year uh, wedding anniversary, and we went to the Holy Land. Mm. And I don't know if you've been to the Holy Land. No, not yet. It is incredible. When we renewed our wedding vows at the wedding of Cana, um, that was just incredible. I mean, getting rebaptized—I say rebaptized, but baptized in the celebrating our baptism in the Jordan River. Jordan River, right? Did. I mean, you go to all these holy places. Um, seeing the Holy Sepulchre where uh, Jesus was born and uh, died on the cross. And then underneath the cross is the tomb of Adam. And you think about that, the blood of Jesus falling down on the tomb of Adam. I mean, it's just all that grace and all that freedom. And then even in Rome, you've got the tomb of Paul. And you know what the, is about the tomb of Paul? I don't know why we never talk about this. Our two, the original chains when he was in prison and they're broken above his tomb. Oh, wow. Okay. Just symbolizing, again, right. all the words that Paul said. I mean, everything comes alive. So if you ever get a chance, go to the, go to the Holy Land, go see this, go see where Jesus went and uh, the land there. I know now is probably not the best time, but, yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> but it yeah. was just really impactful. All the, all the stories in the gospels just come alive when you are over there and see before, that. Before we started the podcast, I was actually on the uh, Zoom call with uh, the president of the college that I go to and um, the, the other people in my master's class. I think there's like 10 of us. Um, and uh, we're going to England in June and, you know, going to go see C.S. Lewis and go, go to Oxford and um, you know, do a lot of that stuff. And I keep, I, in my head, I keep thinking, maybe I'll just, you know, we'll go to that. Me and my wife will go to that. And then we'll John over to, to Israel. I'd love to, you know, be able to do that. So, cause that's going to be the closest I'll ever be, I think. So uh, I'm excited about that, but I'll definitely try to get that. That's, that's on my bucket list for sure. So I've got a sabbatical that I'm going to be taking. Uh, we started our church in 2015. So two, two twenty. 2025 will be 10 years and I'm doing a three month sabbatical then in the summer. And that's kind of, we're wanting to do like, you know, Greece and go, you know, like do the Roman roads and, you know, walk around where Paul preached and then head over to Jerusalem and, you know, do all of that too. So that's the goal for 2025. But that's awesome. So walk me into, um, you've got a book. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's, uh, that's the thing that's, uh, that's leading you. And this is, I guess I'm assuming this is the transformation. This is part of the transformation that you, uh, happened and, uh, you ended up writing a book and it's called leaders, uh, look within, yes. uh, on your own heart, to, uh, own your heart, uh, to live. And so won't you tell me how that started and, and kind of how you brought that to life? Yeah. So, um, I wanted. I, I kind of always wanted to read a book, and I met one of my friends who uh, owned a um, self-publishing company, and I heard her story, and she said, you should really think about this. So she introduced me to a ghostwriter, and we spent a year. I needed someone to kind of unpack what I had inside of me. I didn't really know how to get the words out real well. And so I worked with this ghostwriter for a year, and they say, during this process, don't let anybody read your text till you're all the way done. Right. So I, I did that. I got all the way done. And then I let my wife read it. And she looked at me straight in the eyes and said, 
this isn't you. And um, she was absolutely correct. It was right in the middle of the uh, pandemic and right. all the Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, all the riots. And I was debating whether to have a faith component in the book or not. And at the time I thought, I don't know if I can do this. And my wife says, you absolutely have to do that if you, that's who you are. So I took another year and I rewrote every chapter in the book. And then um, I, and I was so glad she said that because that's, that's who I am. And that's, I really needed her to really tell me that and instill that in me that that's who you are. You, right. you have to, you have to say that. And so that's a, a culmination of the book. Uh, there's a few stories that we've mentioned on here tonight that were in in there, but for me, it was really, again, just looking deep inside and unlocking a lot of stuff I had, a lot of ways and ideas, things from the 90s and 2000s. How was I going to lead? Because what worked then does not work today. Right. And all the changes, where was my heart in all this? And I think it really starts with when you wake up and you own your heart to live a life of gratitude and you're just thankful every day you start the day that way, then you can go from there because you know that you have the grace, you've been forgiven, you have life. And when I start every day like that, then again, it only goes up from there. And mm. then I know oh, I can give my worries, my cares. I can talk about uh, where, again, where I need to grow, what's, what's on the plate, uh, give thanks for all the blessings again, but it really starts with the heart of gratitude uh, for me. And that's what I've tried to instill. And to your point, when you go to work, if I don't bring my A game every single day, people will see it. If I come in with a frown or I'm upset, uh, I did not realize the power in that, but you will lead people in the wrong direction. You absolutely have to bring a positive message. People need to see it. People are hurting and they need to see that the, the leader of the company is strong in that he, because of the values he brings and the faith he has or she has, that's what's going to drive the company. It doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what the, all the other distractions. You got to know personally that faith is the only thing that's going to get you through every single day. Mm, that's good. So, so how, what, what, um, what would I get out of the book? I haven't read it yet. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually going to get it and read it. Um, Cause I think it'll help also in the leadership of the church too. It sounds like so. Yeah, it's eight points in it. Yes, it's a real easy read. Um, I think what I did again, who am I to talk about leadership? There's so many good leaders out there. Um, I I think leadership is very personal, and each person has to find it for themselves. Mm. And when you can find it for yourself and you you start to own your own life, don't look for anybody else, but own yourself. Own, get your strong why. That's one of the principles in there. Get your own why. Look at your own needs from a self-care standpoint and really start to, again, own your heart. I think everything comes from your heart. I think every the your uh, mindfulness, your thoughts, if it's not heart-driven, if it's all rationalized, it, for me, that's all it's going to be is rationalized. I'm going to keep thinking about it and think about it. But if it comes from the heart, there's a purpose, there's a meaning, there's a, there's a mission there. And that's really the, that's really the focus of the book. The book is really easy. You could probably read it in one night. It's, it takes about an hour and a half to read. It's very oh, simple, okay. very simple, very short. Some reflection questions. Some may resonate, some may not. But my whole point is everybody's got to find it in themselves first. If if, if you're going to be an effective leader and lead others, 
you got to find it for yourself because uh, people will see right through you if you're not if you don't have it very strongly and if you're trying to find it by hiring the right people which i tried to do too and there's a chapter in that um that's that would that went really wrong really bad for me too so find it in yourself so you and um and surround yourself with good people i would say that too that's a message in there i have some great people it took me years to find I, but i would never trade these people for anything again cuz uh what they bring the gifts they bring um it every, we all just mesh so well we all know where we fit into that body and we all have to play together and uh, know each other's strengths and weaknesses but we have each other's back that's what it's all about it's having each other's back and when your employees know that you'll mm. go farther than with people than any process or technology. So one of the things in the book I say is people, process, and technology, always in that order. People mm -hmm. first. And uh, you would do amazing things. That's awesome. That's awesome. I can't wait to get it and read it. So what do you have on the horizon? What's um, what's going on? Like, let's start with the company. Um, you know, obviously, you got a, a major build that you're going on or uh, in the process of doing. So it sounds like you're in the design phase and uh, we'll start in the build phase. And then you're going to move the whole company over or just a portion of the company? Um, it eventually, it'll be the whole company. Um, I'll give you a little background on the company. We do things. Uh, we're like a production lab. So okay. we're probably the largest sole testing lab in the country. Uh, this fall, all the crops that are harvested, people sample their soils or send their samples in to be tested so they can apply one last uh, fertilizer application. This year we'll do over 2 million soils, close to 2 million. We were getting about 30 to 40,000 soils a day from September to December. So you do the math and you, you take each one of those times 10 to $20. I know you're a businessman, so you can <laughs> figure out that yeah. that's a lot of money right there in dirt, yeah. in dirt in soil. Yeah. Um, pet food's another big area for us. We do a lot of testing on the pet food side, uh, about a thousand to 2000 samples a day. So you need extra, you need 300 people. If you're going to do all the analysis and get results out in three to five days, every day, every week, wow. so um, it's a phenomenal company business. Um, we've been very blessed. Um, we continue to grow, but it's growing through our people. And right. I believe the culture is getting stronger and stronger by the day. And that's probably what excites me the most. I'm there for the people. Um, that's really my role in this whole thing. That's awesome. I used to do a lot <clears throat> with dog food companies with air compressors because we sold uh, oil-free air compressors, you know, and they, they use that, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, any, anytime you manufacture something, you needed a compressed air system anyway, and compressed air systems were as big as a van. And, uh, I've never seen cleaner places in my life than dog food places. Like it blew I'm, me. I, I, I was like, right. "You yeah. got to be kidding me!" Like these are cleaner than I and I had been into Oscar Mayer bologna and uh, all kinds of stuff, and they were cleaner than that. Those places. I took a group of our employees to a place, and they said, "Do you want to try the pet food off the line?" I said, "Sure." And I just grabbed it, and all these people are looking at me. I said, "It's better than our own human food." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're absolutely right about that. Uh, it blew me away. I was just like, oh my gosh, like they're dogs, you know, give them bone, but man, it's a big business. That's for sure. I'll tell you one other exciting thing that I'm really excited about. That's kind of with the business. Um, we are bringing, we are opening our own medical um, site on campus. 
We're going to have doctors and nurses three times a week because we want to control healthcare costs. Oh, that is awesome. And I don't, I, it's, I, if you would have asked me this a year ago, I didn't think we could do it. But again, by the grace of God, we found the right people to work this. And it's, a, it's going to be amazing because how often do people, can you get into your doctor? And, and everyone was going to the ER or everyone's going to the urgent care. And that just blows up the, we're self-insured with our insurance, uh, uh, with our medical insurance. So I am so excited. January 1st, we open our own medical um, presence on site for all of our employees and their families. And there's no cost to them. That's unreal. Yeah. That is awesome. That is really good. Now that's, that's, um, that's, that's futuristic. I mean, that's, that's something that most companies aren't doing and haven't even thought about doing. So, you know, you may be starting something there with that, especially a, a self-insured company. Um, you know, you, you're able to manage the cost now, exactly. instead, you know, instead of everybody just headed, like you said, to the urgent care or even to their doctor and, and the company having to pay for all that when it'd be cheaper to pay, you know, to get you a doctor on site at all times. Exactly. Wow. That is awesome. Well, congratulations on that. So what about, I I, I know you said uh, you just, you got uh, two of your girls married off and um, uh, you have grandkids. Is that correct? Three grandkids. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. They're, they're, awesome. Oh, they're pride and joy. Yeah. I love those guys. Yeah, I, two I, bet. The girl. I bet. I bet. So what about, um, you know, as far as the, uh, the book, is there another book coming up or are you just, uh, you just got this one done and you're wanting to get it out and as much as possible? Well, I feel like you're reading my mind because this book was all about, yeah. I and mean, when you read it, it's about me and it, it's an introspective about where I came from in the last um, five, six years. But the one piece I left out because I didn't know if I could do it, pull it off was talk about my family. But family, as we've talked about this last hour, is such a key part. So I'm going to add another book to this series. And family is a key component of being an effective leader. And so not only yourself, but you have, as you said, your family comes first. They're a big part of who you are. And that'll be the the next book. I've started writing that. I don't know when that'll come out exactly, but. That's awesome. You have to build on that. Absolutely. So I'm going to continue to build and write. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a good way to get the message out about leadership. Yeah, my first book um, uh, is called Man Up, Becoming a Godly Man in an Ungodly World. And um, I wrote, there's seven areas in a Christian man's life where they just need to grow spiritually and stop being, we call them spiritual sissies is what we call them. Because, you know, yes. but I, I don't know how old you are, but, um, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, you if you were called a sissy, you did one of two things. You either, you know, puffed your chest up and said, who are you talking to punk? Or you cowered down and walk away. And yeah. I just think that God's looking down and, you know, from heaven and going, man, I gave you my son, I gave you my word and I gave you my spirit and still look at you, you know, like do something. And, um, we talk about seven areas and the first area is personal relationship with Jesus. You know, first of all, none of the other stuff matters if you don't have Jesus at the forefront. And then the second area is your wife, you know, your marriage, um, learning to how to make that, um, uh, unified and making sure that it is one flesh. And then children are, are third. 
And uh, often I tell my kids that they're third class citizens in our home because, you know, it's me and mama first and then you guys. Um, and then uh, church, you know, is the fourth area. You know, when you when you kind of get those first three things, you know, your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with your spouse and uh, the relationship with your kids in order, um, Titus and Timothy tell us that uh your your household is in order now now step up into ministry learn to serve learn to get involved in the church and and become a part of the bride of christ you know jesus is coming back for the church so you need to be a part of that the fifth area is work you know like how do you go to work and actually be you know the full of the fruit of the spirit and you know not the miserable part of you know your life like we were talking about earlier and then the sixth area is accountability you know, like, like what you said, having good people around you, you need people that are strong enough in their faith to be able to poke you in the proverbial chest and say, Hey, what, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? How come you're acting like this? Or why did you say that? And then the seventh area is discipleship. And I think, you know, when you look at the bookends of, of, of that book, it's the personal relationship uh, with Jesus and it's the discipleship part. You know, when you start getting all of these other things into the mix and you start sharing what you know to other men um, and other families to make sure that they start sharing it with other people, then you've truly understood what um, God's will is for our lives. And um, I, I can see your books doing the same thing. It's kind of that personal testimony because at the very beginning of my book i do have my testimony in there and i always tell men to have a two minute a 10 minute and a 45 minute version of your testimony ready to share and uh i, th I think that's where you'll be able to go to is you know start so you, you've got the personal side of it it's, it's about you it's about what you did and how you did it and then how does that affect the family that would be a great second book so i think you're on the right track there not that you good. need an opinion, but it sounds good. No, I thought that was great. No, I like I like how you summed that up because it, it when you break it down, it makes so much sense in those se those seven areas uh, that you mentioned there, and um, it it takes all of those. You can't just say I just want number one or number two, and right. that that's the other thing about relationships. It's not transactional, right? Uh, and that it's it's relational. So you got to have all those things to make it work. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. I like mm. that. Well, thank you. It was all God. Cause I, I didn't even read a book I, all the way up through, um, uh, college. Uh, I flunked out of college in 1989, but, uh, and I went to the military, never read a book, got into business, you know, made a ton of money, never read a book. I read a lot of manuals and, different things like that. But then I gave my life to the Lord in 2003. And now I have a library over in my office, just stacked with books that I've read that, you know, through the power of the Holy spirit, it, it gave me the ability and the, the desire to do that. And so uh, for me and my family, you know, my family thinks it's crazy that I've written a book, much less even, you know, read yeah. actually four books. I've got four books and I got oh. two more on the shelf. So still working on those two, but, uh, God is good. And, uh, he takes us dummy sometimes and, uh, actually makes something nice out of it. So it's been good. So what would be one thing, uh, as we kind of wrap up here tonight, like what would be something that you would tell men, uh, you know, our, our podcast reaches, you know, thousands of men, uh, our social media reaches hundreds of thousands of people. And um, every day we get emails or texts or messages about just, you know, how they're supposed to do certain things, whatever those certain things are. And 
you know, we try to do our best to give them biblical guidance and, and an understanding of what God would want for them in their life. As leaders, for those who are out there, managers and who are CEOs and, you know, guys that are, you know, just trying to figure life out, like what advice would you give them just to, just to make tomorrow better? Like yeah. what, what's something that you could just say to them and just say, Hey, this is this, if you do this, or if you try this or, or whatever that is, or what advice would you give them just to, to figure out what tomorrow can be, how tomorrow can be better? Yeah. Um, I would say I'm a, I think you need to look forward. I think we can go back and freeze time and we can understand why certain things happen, but don't get caught back going backwards into your life or you can't change what you've done, but you can certainly, you can certainly ask for grace and you can move forward. And I will say we need it more than ever. Um, you, you mentioned your age. I'm 58. I went to my, uh, 40 year high school reunion. And I was blown away. There were 40 people in my class. We had a class of about close to 400. But of these 40, I would say probably 25 said, I'm retired. I'm done. I'm done working. I don't care anymore. And I'm just going to retire. And that just blew me away. I'm not ready. Right. We need people to set a fire under each of us. We need to, as you, as your book, as the title of this says, man up and get going. We need to live life to its fullest. There's so much more life ahead. I'm not ready to stop. I'm not ready to give up. Not saying that you, you're giving up when you retire, but that just blew me away. People are just stopping. They just said, I don't want to work anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to stop. Why would you stop? Right. There's so much life ahead. And when yeah. we, when there's we no can, retirement in the Bible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah I, and so i would say no matter what your age is look forward there's so much that god wants you to do and That's his plans good. are greater than ours and if you ask for it every day he will show you more he will challenge the heck out of you uh you will do things like this medical clinic and, and just stuff that you never even dreamed of that you could do and uh no there's there's so much out there so for your audience and again look forward ask god what to reveal it in your heart what he wants god whispers in my ear all the time sometimes it's loud i mean super loud and i don't want to do it or i'll fight it because i think i know better but then in the end i i know that if i really just stop and pause and really listen he's going to guide me through people through different events i'll see the hand of god somewhere i know praise god praise god well that is awesome well Man, it has been a pleasure uh, talking with you. Um, I love to hear your heart, love to hear your story. And uh, we will be praying for you um, as you kind of, as you look forward to to what's in the horizon for you, for your company, for your spouse, um, and then for your kids and grandkids. Uh, I can't wait to get a hold of your book and I can't wait to see the uh, the second part of, part of that about talking about your family. That'll be a good, uh, a good addition for that. So um again thank you so much for joining us thank you for taking your time and uh, we will definitely be praying for you all right sounds great thanks again jody all right brother well you have a great night tell your wife thank you for letting you stay up late and uh (laughs) uh, go out there and continue to uh to show people the the image of jesus absolutely all right brother god bless you man have a great night 
You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.